that. But the podcast is pretty These will not cause... be appropriate for kids. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know. Um, podcast only for the good stuff. Right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, welcome to the show. This is Traveling Sounds from the Blueberry Lounge. We have a great show coming up. You're going to love it. Love. <laughs> Relationships are a mofo. They will kick your ass. And like, so like, when, you, when you're like, I'm going to slip my wrist because this dude doesn't love me no more. And instead of doing that, I wrote it out. Here with Nadia Dewerson. Oh my God, this is one of my favorite parts to write. Um, uh, she's introducing us two new books that are coming out next month and going to read us some published prints from her last book that she published in November last year. What I call long lost love letters, like stuff I wrote to ex-lovers and boyfriends I never said to them that uh, I was going to like mail to them and just like, you know, it's good enough just to, just to write it. And it yeah. helps you get over love. Love, heartbreak is what caused me to start writing after never writing. Hey, I'm Nadia. Check out my book. It's called For the Masses of the Forgotten by me, Nadia Durson. And just read me. Or let's try it this way. Read me. Yeah. There. There's me right there. Okay. I'm Nadia. This is Blueberry Lounge for Wondering Artists. Best place in the world. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's your name? Are we recording right now? Mm -hmm. ah! <laughs> I'm Nadia Durson. Okay. And you live here in Arcata? No, I actually live in Eureka. Okay. Um, I come to Arcata sometimes for, you know, food and culture and all that good stuff. Yep. Yeah. And so. are you grow up in Eureka or where are you born at? Ah, okay. Okay. Long, long, <laughs> long story short, like most freaking Humboldtians, um, I'm a transplant. And I, but I am California born. I was born in military base, San Diego, Camp Pendleton. Then I grew up in Fresno County, Clovis. And then we moved all over the place. And I spent the past 20 years in the Midwest. So I consider myself by Western. I'm half from the West Coast. I'm half from Indiana, um, Indianapolis, Indiana. And um, I moved out here because my goal was to always come back to California because snow sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am. Nice. Yeah, I love it here. That I'm going to die here. They're going to bury me here. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yes. I grew up on the East Coast in West Virginia. Nice. Grew up at a ski resort. Moved out to California to ski Tahoe. Ski Tahoe. And I still go back there. I'm, I'm headed there when I leave here and tomorrow. Oh, get out of here. But, yeah. So this is like my first and last time I'm seeing you. Oh, no, I'll be back. Okay. I always good. get around. All right, good. I went to HSU in 14 to 16. Nice. For child development. And then I do the herb industry here with different things. And then I've been tutoring for a family, which has gone really well. Good, good. Um, I'd like to go back to Asia and teach English. As That's my favorite subject. As soon as. <laughs> it's actually my worst subject. Oh. Uh, <laughs> why do you want to teach it? I don't understand. Because... Uh, it does so much opportunity for it and I teach little kids and they don't really pay me for my grammatical you right. know obviously if that's even a word but it is okay, but they study grammar their whole lives they're actually better than me at like doing the grammar stuff yeah. but is what they do not have is a foreign tongue a, n a native tongue so they really just pay me to speak with them nice. so that they can develop the natural ability to hear and pronounce words because their teachers that teach them that have you know masters in English degrees have a hard time saying ball 
Ball. Right. So even though they're in cl completely intelligent, their teachers are amazing teachers, right. they just don't have that phonetic tongue. Right. Which is like a project I'm working on as a song that will have the phonetic difficulties of, of at least like the five uh, comparable languages, you know? That's beautiful. And then, because like being an English speaker and not learning, I, I learned to speak French, but I never learned to roll my R as a child. And so that's very difficult. And if I would have had a song that we did that growing up, I think we could install an innate ability that we could provoke later through actual education, but just like galatal stops of like Hasidic and like Arabic would be so difficult to start now. That is like really cool. One thing I always, cause I'm like really into phonetics and tongues and speaking. And I always feel like everyone should have a second language, but a lot of people don't, I feel like because they're embarrassed of their pronunciation mm. because they can't roll their R's or their L's and like, so they're just like, they don't even get into it because they're like so embarrassed because you're kind of like being naked a little bit mm. when you're talking someone else's tongue. Yeah. You know, so that is a good idea. That is a good thing to do. Yeah. As I, I was just read or listening to a podcast I made the other night and one of the re references I was making is about like how I don't correct children because, nice. you know, phonetically they're naked as you speak yeah. and it's hard enough for them to try yeah. in front of their peers so we just want to promote yeah, the trying. They yeah. will continuously learn that they say things different than the other kids, yeah. and they'll and they'll okay. catch up. They'll yeah. be like, "Oh, I sound weird. I, I want to sound," you know. So, yeah, it's an interesting concept, though. Like, I feel that totally. So, what you got going on? What kind of projects you're writing a book? I am writing and writing and writing. Um, I'm here to talk about two projects. That book's published. This book is published. And what is the name of that? This book is called For the Masses, The Forgotten. It's the first book out of a trilogy. There's okay. actually going to be two trilogies. This is the first out of the first three. And then the second three is going to come next year. I've already written book two. Book two will be published March. I'm just taking my time formatting it for to go to paperback. But it's done. But this book one is out now on... Uh, on Amazon.com, um, but because of algorithms, if you type in the title for the masses, every book named for the masses is going to pop up except for mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so cold-blooded because um, I'm so, I'm nothing right now, but um, if you type in my name, Nadia Durson, that's N-A-D-I-A Durson, D-U-E-R-S-O-N, and if you forget if you are a Bears fan, if you're older and you remember the 85 Bears, there was a great safety player called Dave Durison, <laughs> which is family to me. So if you forget how to say my name, just think of Dave Durison the Bears. <laughs> Look him up, see how to spell his name, then you'll know how to spell my, my last name. But yeah, I'm on Amazon.com and for bigger publications like libraries and um, bookstores, I'm on Ingram Spark, which you could order mass copies because you can't do that on Amazon. Okay. You know, Ingram Spark, you get that whole discount. seen that stamp discount. in the front of the books, the Ingram. Yeah. I feel like there's something. Yeah. I don't know what the deal is, but it's there. It's out there. Well, cool. This book's cool. It's a nice little cover, a nice little attractive female and a little musician with long hair and a guitar on his back. Yep. Story about those two people? Are they one of them? Or? It's the story about... I should have brought my blurb. 
because I don't have a blurb on the back of my book. If you get my book, it just says read me because <laughs> like I suck at blurbs. It's really not a, a ego thing. It's like and the blurb I, is the blurb is the description of the book. I could give you okay. personal blurb, but it's basically about teenagers going through the rapture, through the end times. Like, they're living right now in today's day, not the future, not the past, like right now. And all their parents disappear. And at first, probably shouldn't give stuff away. But at first, you know, we're like, why is everyone's parents missing? Um, and they come to find out the rapture happened. And this first book is all about them figuring things out. Like, hey, my parents are gone. Like, could they could God really have taken them like could this really have happened and then some of them are like hey it's party time there's no adults around there's no parents around what are the ages of the characters they are 15 to 18 and they're okay. all in high school okay gotcha yeah great yeah so um did I'll, you do you think would uh, your audience be more for the parent or the, the kid or is it for both or how do you feel about that's the thing it's really for both um i wrote it with kids in mind um but <laughs> i did put some adult situations in here <laughs> so this book really isn't for anyone under 18. i think a lot of young adults college adults and grown people will enjoy it and understand it and get it and i think if like younger generations could sneak and read it, like how i used to sneak and read you know certain books when I was younger I still got the context and you know wasn't led to destroy myself from it. <laughs> so I've never heard of sneaking and reading off to be the, the key factor in oh, really? self-life destruction habits. there's some books out there man <laughs> there are some books out there that will put some ideas in your head like you know what <laughs> let me go do this right now you know right yeah okay but um like people don't know like peer pressure in school, that's only part of it. There's also, like, other things out there that totally get you doing stuff besides just the kids you know at school. Well, that, you know? that's true. I, I, got, I got into a little couple couple dark black books. Yeah. 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 They're out there. I did, too, Started back in the day. wearing pantyhose. Right. <laughs> eyeliner. And, right. You know? It's like, it's, it's enticing, you know? Like, words could make you do all sorts of things because they make you feel good and they sound good and so yeah um i would like young people to read this book so they could see people in their situations this isn't like some glamorous where everybody's living in some fantasy world these kids are going to school you know they're having difficulties with their friends and you know they're just i, I like people to see you know from a certain point of view i guess Nice, more realistic than James Franco's yeah. End of Days. Oh, end of the, God, end of the yeah. <laughs> no, that's one thing that people read my book told me, that it's very honest. You know, it's very... I can't think of the words that they said, but, yeah. They, nice. they can relate. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I do... Um, I'm just getting this podcast going, um, and one of the options I've been looking at is a, a Foursquare website. Nice. Um, have you looked into to any kind of self-sales um, or is that anything you can do with your publishing or? well for self-sales what I've been doing is ordering from my my printers okay. Amazon and Ingram Spark and I've just been selling to people you know, gotcha. on the yeah. streets but you can't order them online and I do have a website NadiaDurison.com and you could go on there 
and hit contact me and you can send me your email and I'll send you letters, emails saying when this book drops or the availability or okay. whatever. But you can't order from my site, but I have a link to take you to where you can order. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, there's that. Yeah. I might try to set up a little something. We'll see how it goes. I highly recommend it. Like, set up a, a website to where you can just give people your name and all your stuff is there. Yeah. Because it gets hard, like, telling people to go here and go there and go here and go there. Like, now I sound stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And my whole, my whole future progression of this is to just find artists and get their art out. Um, I kind of have directions of doing local TV stations. Ooh, cool. um, just kind of using the live stream platforms and yeah. just running um, <clears throat> as much much stuff as we can get. Doing like small time commercials for the artist and just trying to put it, you know, where you know you could buy art from these people. Because I hang out, especially here in Humboldt, it's ridiculous. I'll be <sighs> hanging out in someone's living room and there's masterpieces, 30 of them on the walls. I'm like, what? What is all Dude. this? And they're like, oh, it's just something I do. We're sick with talent here. And I'm like, you just, did you ever sell it or anything? They're it's like, beautiful. no, like, where am I, what am I going to do? What am I going to, like, so they just have, like, their house is just filled with amazing stuff, yeah. you know, Seen that it. just need a little outlet of something, yeah. create a little local stir, a little energy. Yeah. I buy stuff people all the time just because it's beautiful and they don't even realize it. Like, you did that, you created it, and it's just sitting there. Yeah. Here's some money for it. <laughs> yeah. You, you go to Benbo no. Arts and Music Festival. Have you ever been that? No. The Southern Humboldt. It is. I never have the gas. <laughs> it is amazing. It obviously it's not going on right now. Right. But it is because Humboldt has time and money. Some people that live out in the hill. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Eccentric. Yeah. Like just. I mean, every booth there, you you I'll could see someday. a thousand thousands of hours that went into each little yes. booth, and there's like I think there's eighty six booths of art there and oh, okay. it's a really good time I'd go down there and work shuttle crew and um, that's on my list to go to yeah it's a mix of families and then people that haven't been off the hill in a year that are going ham right they come down they're like <laughs> they're ready for interaction they're ready for everything yes sir um, well sounds good well let's uh, what kind of would you bring for us to read today um I'm going to read, let's do a part where I'm describing uh, a day after school, after the rapture, um, kids, the last bell ringing out and kids going home. As the last bell rang, indicating that school is over, there was an almost audible collective sigh of relief. All over the school, different pockets of kids were dividing up into groups or couples, making arrangements for sleepovers and the like. Some kids were already recovering and saw it as an opportunity to party hardy, and many no more school, no more books, no more teachers' dirty looks parties were being arranged. But some kids were truly left devastated. Those with parents were inviting others to stay over. Those without parents and family were gladly accepting invitations, and the school quads even the most like unlikely of pairings and groupings were being brought together. A couple of sophomores who used to be best friends in grade school, who had turned enemies in high school, were now hugging each other. Gossip boys and backstabbing had torn them apart their freshman year, but now one was inviting the other to come stay with her and her parents permanently, sisters once again. 
Boys who had taken turns beating each other to a bloody pulp were now banding together, asking each other for food and shelter and companionship. The same scars they had inflicted on each other in fury were now the scars that bonded them into a brotherhood. Sometimes a person can turn to and trust the most those who have caused them pain, just because they know that person and what that what they are capable of. They respected each other, knowing the essence of that person. Bullies and nerds were commiserating over being left with no one, finding that loneliness was the thing they had in common all along. Skanks and virgins were seeing that were seeing there wasn't a difference between them after all, finding that they had the most common equalizer of all, low self-esteem. The poor kids and the rich kids no longer saw money and money as a dividing line. Envy of money had now become envy of family. The cool kids and the noble geeks no longer had a dividing line as well. You were cool if you had family, you were a geek if you were alone and stay that way. All along the fences of the schoolyard, personal relationships were transforming. Those who had undergone the high school metamorphosis of friendship to frenemies to enemies to survivors of a travesty were quickly finding themselves in the original form or a new form of friendship. Although every kid quickly remembered the camaraderie of their yesteryears with such and such person who was kind enough to invite them into their homes. Funny how the very person one spends two years talking about, picking on, bullying, or hating on ends up being the very same person one clings to in a time of crisis. Not every student in school was commiserating with someone. Outside the pockets of teens in the schoolyard, one could see the individual kids that were already leaving school grounds, looking like loner ants amongst the colonies. These were the loners who jumped fences or simply walked home. They didn't catch the bus. They didn't have cars. They didn't even have friends. This rapture thing was no big deal to them. They were alone and godless before the rapture came, and they were alone and godless now. These kids saw no reason to seek out others. They never needed family or adult supervision or anyone before now and figured why would they now in fact they figured life was about to be a lot simpler with a f with fewer people and adults in the world no one to see them no one to judge them no one to get in their way they could do whatever they want with fewer authority figures hassling them and less peers pointing them out these ki these kids quickly found their way to their abusive homes to their bridges to the underpasses to their cr to their crash spots life carried on for them no tears, no fears, no worries. They had the same goal tonight they had as last night. Get food in their belly, a shower, a quiet spot to do their homework, or get stoned, and to be left the hell alone. So that is the end of one of the chapters. Okay. And let me find... Ooh. Oh my god, this is one of my favorite parts to write. <laughs> um, this, uh, I'll set it, set it up where... I have these two characters, they're twins, boy and a girl twins. Um, the girl's a lesbian, the boy's straight, and their mother is a pill. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> the twins are called Azure and Teal, which are, you know, colors, so I like colors. Okay, so Azure didn't need to drag Elena all the way to her mom's house, which was only a few blocks away, but she did anyway. She held on to Elena's hand because she felt she needed control of something, and Elena would do for now. When they got to her house, Elena wiped the moisture off her clammy hand that Azure had held all the way. Elena really didn't appreciate Azure's immature actions, but she knew her friend was feeling vulnerable and needed her emotionally. And whenever Azure was feeling vulnerable, she got aggressive. Azure busted through the door, shouting, Mom, are you home? Mrs. Hines sauntered down the stairs, a glass of red wine in her hand. Jackie Jr., please don't shout. I have a terrible headache. 
Azure rolled her eyes, biting her tongue. She was already furious, and her drunk mother was just adding to her agitation. She wanted to tell her mom that a hangover and a headache were two completely different things, but she didn't. At this point, she needed her mother as an ally. She needed someone to commiserate with over the loss of Teal to some absurd madness. Elena hung back by the door, always a bit nervous in the Hines household. The air was always so thick with animosity, especially now Mr. Hines was gone. Something else was hanging in the air. Was it sadness? Elena got lost in her thoughts as she tried to think of what the house felt like now. While Azure told her mom about what happened over at Nora's house with Teal and Emily. No, it wasn't sadness, it was lifeless. The house felt like it was a ghost within itself. Don't you agree, Elena? Elena, Azure shouted at her. Oh, what? Sorry, what did you say? Don't you agree that whatever happened over at Nora's house is fucked up? Mrs. Hines bopped Azure on the back of the head. Watch your language, Missy. Mrs. Hines turned to Elena. I'm sorry, Elena. I apologize for my daughter's rude behavior. She slurred as she took another sip of wine. Elena thought it was far ruder to hit Azure and be drunk in front of them, but she minded her own business. Mrs. Hines was a scary lady. Mom, what are we going to do about Teal? What do you mean? Teal believes in a freaking magician. Talk some sense into his mom. Oh, sorry. Talk some sense into him, Mom. Azure went into one of her perfect pouts, something she learned from watching her idol Sasha do all the time, time again. Mrs. Hines pulled her daughter to her for a hug. No, Azure, if Teal has found faith, who are we to take it from him? Her mother's words were compassionate, but her eyes were cold as ice. Yeah, Azure, who are we to take it from him? This is from Elena. Right when Azure was starting to enjoy being in her mom's arms, Elena co-signing had put such a rage in her that she pushed away from her mother and got in Elena's face and shouted, You don't know, Teal. You think you do, but you don't. Teal is like me. We believe in only one thing, us. Just because you're in love with him doesn't mean that you know him. Shut up, Elena. Just go home. Oh, wait. Azure tilted her head to the side, pretending to be shocked. You don't have a home. In Ela she said venomously in Elena's face. She backed away when she saw Elena's hurt look, and Azure turned haughty and pleased with herself, a character trait she got from her evil mother. After Azure had revealed, had reveled in Elena's pain for another minute, she ran upstairs to her bedroom, slamming the door so loud it reverberated through the entire house, making Elena jump. Another Azure storm. This one wasn't so bad. Didn't need to take cover, said Mrs. Hines, lifting her glass to her lips and stopped mid-lift and slurred, well, you needed to take cover. She laughed a drunken laugh. She looked at Elena with pity. Don't worry, Azure storm will blow over. It always does for those she loves. Elena turned away from Mrs. Hines. She never felt so unwelcomed and cold in her life. What Azure had said to her truly hurt. Azure had always let her venom loose on others, but never on her or Teal. Their bond was too tight, or so she thought. Elena began to walk away and fixed her feet to head back to Norris' house when she heard Mrs. Teal, Mrs. Hines say, I know what you are, little girl. Elena stopped dead in her tracks, chills running down her spine. Mrs. Hines sauntered behind Elena and whispered in her ear from behind, Everyone thinks that you're in love with my son, my son Jackson, but don't think for one second that I don't know who you really always come here for. Even though her words were slurred, they were sharp and cut through Elena's heart. Come on, darling. I see the way you look at my daughter. Mrs. Hines took another drink and whispered into the lip of the glass. It's the same way you look at my son. She backed off Elena's ear, pleased that the girl was frozen in fear. Run along to my son and act like the perfect little fake Christian. Don't you know real Christian girls aren't attracted to other girls? Silly little fool. Till may think he's found faith, but it won't last. Azure has her hooks in him far deeper than any Christ. Their blood bond will bring him back. 
Mrs. Hines was nat Mrs. Hines said nastily, and took a sip of her wine. You can't do anything without Jackie Jr. Once he's realized he's lost his sister, Jackson will drop Jesus like a bad habit. He's lost without his sister. Elena was silent. She walked over to the door, eager to get out. She put her hand on the doorknob. Something inside her gave her courage. Maybe it was rage. Maybe it was something else. But she found it in her to say out loud without turning around. You're wrong. It's Azure who is lost without Teal. Elena opened the door to the night sky and left the spiritless house of sad females who had lost their men to Christ. So, that part I really enjoyed writing. Okay. So I, I wanted to read it. That was great. But yeah, the whole book is full of that. Just, you know, angst. There, it's a group of nine friends. Some of them get saved and some of them don't. And they fight and they love and, you know, they learn to live as adults. Um... You know, some go to school, some drop out, you know, some, you know, it's, it's just, it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot of drama. It's a good drama. <laughs> it is a big book. It's over two pounds. Um, but I grew up in the days of Gone with the Wind and Anne Rice. So I'm all about a big book. Yeah. You know, you can read it for forever. I just have something to get lost in and come home to. And, you know, it's, it's my baby. Nice. Yeah. And when did you publish that? I published this in November 2020, a few months ago, three months oh, ago. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah. But I've been writing it since 2012. Okay. <laughs> so all this took eight years to write, but not because I was waiting for inspiration. I always had it in me. It's just I didn't have the confidence that I could put out a good book. But, you know, the whole covid thing happened and you know unsatisfaction being unsatisfied with my life and then you know just a lot of things hit same time covid life george floyd all this crap i was like you know what i got time i'm gonna write i'm gonna finish this book and so i finished it shut this for a second Yeah, um, so the first book took eight years, and then the second book took, took a year. No, two months. Two months. <laughs> two months. But it's not this big. Um, the second book is, like, probably going to be, like, that big once okay. it's finished okay. printing. Because um, I realized that not everybody wants to read a big book. So I made it smaller and quicker to go through, and it'll it'll be priced cheaper. Um because it's like what the market, you know, the demand is... Right, they know. want a, a certain price range to yeah. meet, and yeah. so... So... For so. Sell us a new watch, a new financier, Exactly. <laughs> like, I'd rather, like, it's in my soul to just put all of it into three book, three big books like this, but it's going to be split into six. Yeah. That way, you know, people will be able to finish. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Well, I'm not a writer, at all um so you know i've started to do a journal but it's not like a daily writing journal which was always painful for me right it, now it's just like a collection of sporadic thoughts and and things you know so i have tons of journals like i, I put things down but I've never mm. i don't know uh what is 
what energy do you feel when you write? Like, do, when you, does it, do you just sometimes not, are you not able to go to sleep and it's just like five in the morning and you're just like, I need to go to bed, but I'm not losing this, this ride? Or is it like... Ooh, yeah. Sometimes. It's, it's two different things. It's that, like, you know, like a lot of artists stuff hits me like between 2 and 5 a.m. and I and it'll wake me up or I can't sleep or like I'll just like be really anxious in my sleep and I wake up like I've been awake for hours you know like instantly alert and like you know what I gotta write and I spent a lot of years ignoring that feeling I spent a lot of years laying in bed for two three hours waiting to get sleepy and that's not what you're supposed to do you're supposed to get up and do what your spirit's telling you to do so it's that half of, it's half of that and the other half comes from just being so, having so much freaking turmoil and angst and just all these feelings inside. You don't know what to do with them. Like, what the hell do you do with them? And then it's like, you know what? Take your pen to paper and write out those emotions. That's, that's all you can do. Yeah. 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 It feels good. And when you get done, you're, like, exhausted like you ran a marathon. It feels really good. It's it's nice. Like, okay, that was cathartic. <laughs> yeah. It's good stuff. Do you have much revise and editing, or do you kind of nail it when you put it down? I kind of nail it. I do. I do. Um, I apologize to the first 50 people who have my first, like, 50 copies because it is full of errors. Because the people I paid to edit my book took my money and ran. And then me and my frustration, I edited it by myself. So I missed a lot okay. of mistakes. But um, everything I'm, I'm self-editing. But that is the easiest part because of the, you know, the apps that are out there. You know, like your computer helps you fix stuff. You have Grammarly.com. And so between those two, I'm pretty much nailing it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Nice. Yeah. But this one was very hard to edit because it's it's big. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I've struggled with writing, and you know, I just read what I think I put on paper, which isn't actually on paper the right. way that I see it. Right, right. So it's like to proofread my own stuff. It's it, hard. It's hard to yeah. come with that blank slate and not just like. You know. You have to take a break. Yeah. You have to not look at it. And you have to read it out loud. Okay. Read it out loud, yes. You can say it in your head a thousand times. Read it like, looks good, looks good, looks good. The minute you read that same page out loud, you're like, ooh. Okay. This is messed up. Right. <laughs> Been there too many times. My brother's starting to write a lot. He's doing a lot of sailing, uh, chronic, nice. chronic sailing. Um, he's starting to do some some videos, some YouTube, and some... and. Um, it's been um, it's been cool, it's been cool to watch, um, just writing about his daily blog, his you know his yeah. his sailing stuff. I don't know. I feel like I had a thought of when I started that. You did. <laughs> It'll come back around. Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. It's, uh, See, oh yeah. He's like, he you know he's like uh, write drunk, edit sober, because he's like out there sailing. A lot you know? of people say that. <laughs> a lot of people say that. It's his Facebook tag right now because he's like in the bar and like some islands and he like etched into the table was that and he was like editing his last night nonsense and he was just like okay that's kind of a th like this <laughs> a lot of people will actually do that i think that came from 
Ernest Hemingway, Hemingway, Hemingway would be who my was guy. a notorious drunk. You yeah. know, like yeah, you write drunk. <laughs> I've tried it. It doesn't work for me. I look at it sober. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Like oh, it's awful for me. I cannot write drunk. Yeah, for me, not even drunk. But when I did, I did school, I had to I had to do all my English and everything before eleven. Yeah. Just the, my morning brain is my clear editing, Mine too. logical, and then yeah. and then I can go into the creative. Yeah. And like I can I can write my papers and stuff in the evening, having fun. But I always had to like really focus. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Anyone could edit the same day or same time frame. They write. They're either lying or they're really gifted. Right. <laughs> <laughs> either way, like. Kudos to them. Have you always been a writer? Is this something that... Yeah, I have, but I didn't know it. You know okay. how, like, everyone... Not everyone, but a lot of people sit on their talents. Right. You know, we sit on them because, like, we don't have the confidence or we don't take it seriously, whatever. But when I was, like, first or second grade, I cut up little pieces of paper and then took construction paper and I glued them together to make a little book and I wrote inside of it. And I wrote me a little book, like, for myself. And I didn't know... I didn't realize that until my dad, I was talking on the phone a few years ago, and he's like, I found this little book he made. I'm like, I was a writer then. Yeah. I was making little books and writing them. But, I, you know, you forget stuff like that because, like, you grow up and life goes on. And yeah. So then what sparked, what brought it back, or what? I brought it back. <laughs> Love. <laughs> Relationships are a mofo. <laughs> they will kick your ass. And, like, so, like... When, you, when you're like, I'm going to slip my wrist because this dude doesn't love me no more. <laughs> and instead of doing that, I wrote it out, which is what my second project is about. Like, I've written what I call long lost love letters. I've written hundreds, not hundreds, let's say, more, more than more than dozens. Probably, no, I'll say maybe two or three hundred. What I call long lost love letters, like stuff I wrote to ex-lovers and boyfriends I never said to them that uh, I was going to like mail to them and just like you know it's good enough just to just to write it and it yeah. helps you get over love but love heartbreak is what caused me to start writing after never writing it's like I feel so much for this guy and he doesn't know it he doesn't care and I care <laughs> so I'm just going to tell it to myself right you know and that's helped me uh, a lot. And um, these long lost love letters are the complete opposite of my book. My books, my book series is about getting saved and finding faith in God and Christ. My love letters, which is a book of letters I'm publishing in March as well. It's all about just being wrapped up in that fleshy feel good, the things that make you really like someone, because I'm, I'm a happy person, like, I don't think about the bad stuff, I think about the good stuff, that's what makes the love last longer, what makes you, like, really hold on, is, like, you just think of all that good stuff, you know, and not, right. you know, the lies or the cheating, or, like, but you know what, he was this and he was that, you know, so, <laughs> so yeah, um, can I read through those? Yeah, please. Okay. Alright, so, which one should I go first? Okay, this is Long Lost Love Letter number six. They all got numbers. He asked me if I felt like crying. I was surprised and asked him how he knew. He said I wore my tears on my face all the time 
and the reason he can never look me in the eye before now was because I made him want to cry too. My heart swelled and I did my best to keep my tears tucked away. Then he lifted my skirt and asked me if I cried down there as well. I immediately hated him and wanted him to drop dead where he stood. Worse still, I wanted him to suffer in it. I glared at him, hoping my sheer will alone would make him draw his last breath. Then he kissed me, down low, under my skirt. I gripped my teeth, trying to hate him more. I gripped my teeth, trying to crush either side of his skull with my hands, my thighs even. But crush him, I did not. Instead, my hands gripped his long, dark hair and held on for the ride. Hate and sorrow and pleasure were wrapped up in one, and I could not endure. I cried when it was over, not because he hurt me, but because I was weak enough to let him get, let him get to my core, all my cores. I cried for myself. I cried for him because he had no soul. I cried because I wanted him to do it again, yet didn't want him to touch me ever again in his life. Being a woman sucks sometimes. <laughs> so, <laughs> that got me over next. <laughs> oh, that's great. And... This one... Let me stop. Yeah, one second. Okay. Oh yeah, so that's that's let's see if I'm ready? Yeah. Okay. This one is Long Lost Love Letter number seven oh seven oh four. And if you get my book, the the long lost love letter ones, the numbers are according to the guy or you know, whatever. So anyone that starts at seven oh seven is my last lover here in Humboldt, area code 707. And to me, all the ones that start with 707s are my favorite because I still have heart for this guy, even though he moved far away and didn't even tell me he was moving because that's why there's so many of these letters. But anyway. <laughs> okay, long lost love letter number 707-04. You come to me with your hair falling perfectly in your face and I can't say no. I've been mad at you all day, but now that you're here, I swallow my scream. It's not a scream of anger I'm holding in, but a scream of love. I know it will frighten you, so I swallow it again. I ramble on with every word spoken except for the words written in my heart. I love you. Love me back. Now. I waited long enough. But I don't say these words. I just run my hands through your hair and tell you about my stupid day. I listen to you but barely hear your words because your voice is like a drum in my heart. I feel your words, but I do not hear them. I put my ears to your chest as you talk, and you shake your head at my goofiness and smirk. I know you think I'm weird, but you like it. I take off your pants and kiss your belly button, and my favorite vein that leads to my favorite source of pleasure. You don't deny me this, at least. You just deny me everything else. You're so cold and so hot. The nurturing part of me wants to warm up all your cold bits, like your feet and your hands and your nose. But the lustful part of me wants to kiss all your warm bits, like your thighs. I love your thighs. They're perfect. You warm your hands before you touch me, and this is the only act of kindness I get from you for the next hour. After you've moved your body in, after you've moved my body into oblivion, I'm quite sure I need a hip replacement in my old age because of you. If that is the price to pay for having you, I'll gladly pay it. You are a beautiful man, and it tickles me to death that you are shy about it and don't think you are. How can you not? I can literally have half an orgasm just from looking at you. You are my only drug. You're my only addiction. Your haunting deep down, your haunting deep brown eyes keep me going when you're not around. 
I see guys that almost look like you and I get excited. And then I look in their vacant eyes and I get depressed. Your soul is so deep for someone your age and it shows. The remnants of pleasure between my legs quiets the words I want to say to you. Love me now, you asshole. Quick, put on your pants and leave now before the words leave my mouth. I swallow that scream once more, unlike the screams I let out just very recently. Uncompromised and let out and I adore you instead. But you know what I mean. So, that's oh, that that's one. Good. So I got tons of those coming out in a book in March. And it's completely different. But I'm writing under the same name. So. And then Nadia... Nadia Durison. And what would that book... Do you have a, a name for this? Yes. This one is called From My Flesh, A Rogue Mermaid Anthology. It's going to be my first anthology of my works. Okay. Yeah. And it's called an, A Rogue Mermaid Anthology because um, I go by Rogue Mermaid online. Okay. <laughs> so that's them. But... Well, that, that was great. I, I I love those too. Yeah, that's so stimulating. So much energy. Such a short. So much emotion. So uh, yeah. yeah. It's you know something to help me get over uh, my exes, and I've been reading them at um, our poetry community called Word Humboldt, which is so freaking awesome. We used to um, perform at the coffee house in Arcata. Uh, North Town, mm-hmm. and um, due to COVID, you know everything shut down. But Word Humble is still alive on Instagram. We, they, I still consider myself part of it. Um, they do live hosting, so all you have to do is go on Instagram, follow Word Humble, and every Tuesday at six o'clock, they, you know, put up a list. It's a virtual list instead of a paper list, like at the coffee shop, <laughs> and you let them know, you know you know, that you want to go on and they'll switch over to you and, you know, then you read your poetry. Okay. So it's just like the coffee house, but virtual, which is great. Nice. Yeah. So. And was that on Zoom? No, that was just on the... It's on... How are they? Just Instagram. Instagram Live. Oh, Instagram Live. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's wonderful. There's a lot of good freaking poets out there. And poetry isn't my forte. I'm a, I'm a storyteller. But it feels so good just to you know, write a poem and say it, yeah. you know, it's healing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot of what just spoke towards, you know, one of my favorite Woods Brothers songs is, um, sing about it. And it's just like, you know, what, if you have troubles, sing about them and they just might pass. Right. You know, and, I feel that. And it's so true. And I've done the letters before because I have things that I need to say, but at the same time, they don't really need to hear it because right? it's more about my issues yeah. that yep. that I'm going through and I don't really need to put it on them all the time right. because I could see that's it. But if I didn't say it, I can't sleep. Exactly. I can't. I have to say it. So I, I did. I would write them and then normally I'd keep it for a day or two thinking I was going to. Yeah. And then sometimes I would bring them to conversations because I have had a difficult journey with communications, especially in right. energetic, emotional energetic realms. Right. Where I just tense up and lock up. I learned early that speaking will only get me in more trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so wherever I'm at, it's just, just to completely shut down and lock up. Um, Aww. 
which has been a journey to get through. But I've yeah. done I've done a ton of work, and still working on it all the time. But Good. when I was younger and having a lot of issues, I would like have to like write letters to bring to yes, a sir. communication circle to like, yeah. or else I would just not be able to. Writing is so healing. Function. It's so healing, and it helps you communicate. Like it is, it's communication. Hello, it's a form of communication. So yeah, I highly recommend everybody write, even if you don't think you're good at it. Just write. Just put it on paper. Look at it. You know, just yeah, you feel better. Yeah, I had another one where I had like my first teacher that didn't judge me for grammar, mm, and, nice. and ended up putting 104 pages down on this assignment. Nice. And it was just like we were looking at our history and why we are biased, hmm. basically. Oh, that's a long paper. <laughs> For me, it was. I was yeah. I was 30 going back to college. Everyone yeah. else had, like, 22 pages, but they were also, like, 20 years old. Yeah, you're like, no, let me tell you something. <laughs> I was like, but, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, as going into a classroom, we want to understand. There's no such thing as a non-biased education. Even if you believe in hugs and rainbows, that's 100% that's biased. biased. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're saying the other stuff isn't good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's like, so we just want to understand why and where your biases are. And, you know, the biggest thing for me with education comes down to philosophy. Hmm. And you have to have a philosophy and you can't work for anywhere that doesn't support your philosophy. Or you hear the story after story of all of our right. friends that have two to three year educational yep. careers. Because after a few years, they're just done. They're like, yeah. no, I'm not doing that anymore. So right? Just, but. That takes wisdom. That's really, that's that's a good point. You don't figure that out usually in your 20s. You usually figure it out in your late 20s or 30s. Well, I, I completely disagree with our, so, well, just about everything of our social <laughs> construction. But uh, it's one person, I, I forget where, I don't know if it's Israel, um, but their program was they got out of high school at 18. They did two years of service. Um, and then they got, you know, the government paycheck, which was the health care. And right. they actually got paid for eight years to, like, travel. Okay. And they just had, like, kind of a stipend. And then that eight years was to develop themselves. And then at 28, they come back and go to college. Okay. And they move back in with their parents. Like, after that, they get kicked out of the house. Not allowed to live with mom and dad. Right. Have to go grow up. Right. From 20 to 28, struggle whatever that's a long time but then you can't you come home you move in with mom and dad you go to school once you graduate from four to eight year 12 year college then your parents retire right as soon as you graduate so they're done so they're yeah so they're done at like you know when you're 34 so they're like 50 yeah. 54 you know 60 something like that so it was just interesting there's a lot of different ways to do a lot of different things yeah very but yeah, educate a lot of countries right now. Germany's like paying their population to travel. Dude, do you have to be a citizen? Because I'll go do that right now. Oh my gosh. It's interesting. I like I get it on the one point because it's like you're paying for free education. Yeah. So they don't want you going to school at 19, not knowing anything, just wasting money and having to go back to school. Dude. So it's like makes sense. Pay them a little bit. Get them out. Get them yeah. to do some stuff. But it also has created this really weird travel circuit of all of these people who just like have this little bankroll that have no experience that now I can see like that. it's like, well thanks Germany for not for paying other countries to raise your children. Yeah. <laughs> that's life though. That's one of the reasons why like I came out here was because like people aren't raising their kids right. 
and like you end up raising them which like after you know you do it out of love and and compassion because everybody needs to learn something from you everybody could teach somebody something right and but after a while like it's when you get in your 40s and 50s you're like i'm tired you know people sucking the life out of me not knowing stuff i think they should already know if they had good parentage or common sense you right. know so you come out to humble where everyone's spread out you could basically be left alone but the downside of that is that people get in their little bubble and they tend to think whatever thing in their head is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, buddy, you need to get out there and talk to some people and uh, see real life. That bubble. That bubble, man. I've come across that bubble too many times. Because not only is it, it's a bubble backed with money mm. and the ability to be like, oh, you disagree? Next. Dude, for real. Oh, uh, you know, I was just, like, like, you know. They can't deal with it. They can't handle that that different opinion and they could be positive shamans with their didgeridoos all day every day <laughs> all day every day give them that opposing thing and they even back it up with your life experience that it's true oh it's like psh, mind blown like I need to get away from you like yeah I'm sorry nah it's, it's a good rant that could go on for days it's just, it's, just yeah. it's an interesting it's 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 beautiful in its way I don't think people understand <laughs> that haven't lived in Humboldt or just the herb culture like Santa Cruz, just yeah. any of these mountainous areas where 10, 20 years, these people have been doing whatever they want, yeah. making 250, 300 grand, or even 100 grand. Doing even, whatever. Just Living not by their own philosophy, like you said. Coming into public once a year yeah. for the Benbow Art and Music Festival. Yeah. Yeah. Eating a ten strip and yeah, that's it. You know, and they're back on their mountain and their bubble and more power to you. Yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> but man, that's okay. I intend to be one of those bubble people in, in a few years, but not not to where I let my ignorance guide my life. If someone's got something different to say or something else, I'm like, let me listen to you. <laughs> let me hear your point of view. Let me. Give me some validation of that. You know, you have to be open-minded with other people's experiences. Yeah. You have to. Like, it's love. You can't say, I'm going to be my bubble because I'm all about love and nobody else is. And when someone comes to you in your bubble, out of your bubble, you can't love on that person, then you're just talking crap. You know, you got to be able to love people outside your bubble. A lot of people don't understand that. Right. But I'm going to love everybody outside my bubble. I'm creating my bubble right now. <laughs> <laughs> and if you come to it, I will love you. Nice. Yes. Yeah, and that resonates back home because, uh, you know, Southern culture is very hosp hospitable as, mm -hmm. as culture goes. In West Virginia, we're in, we seceded from the South to be our own state in the North. Right. Um, but we're still very culturally kind of country and South. And right. You got the mountains, too. You got people who live in the mountains, except there is not weeds, probably, like moonshine. Yeah, moonshine. Moonshine. <laughs> but you got people out there, same type, you know? Like, yeah. but they are. They're open culturally and they do their thing and they'll welcome you. I've learned with Southern, more Southern people, it's like, introduce yourself. You know? Like, don't just, you know, walk about. Like, you see someone looking at you, like, say hi and say your name and. Right. Then, then they'll be okay with you. They just want to know who you are. Yeah, because they know everybody else. <laughs> they know everybody else. Yeah, <laughs> they, they do. And, like, I have no problem introducing myself to people. Like, yeah. I really, I'm a people person, but at the same time, I'm not. 
Like I'm a people person because I love everybody and I see everybody's learning experience. Then I'm not a people person because some people are so, I hate to say it, ignorant. It's like, I just don't want them around me. Right. <laughs> you know? So it's a 50-50 thing. Yeah. I'm weird that way. Yeah, I've, um, I like people, but I've moved around a lot, so it's like I had to push myself into being a people person around people you don't know. Because it's easy, you know, I grew up in, I grew up in West Virginia, and we had one high school in our whole county the size of Humboldt, and we had 400 people in it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so you really pushed yourself. How'd you, how'd you get out here? I grew up at a little ski resort, so I moved to Lake Tahoe when I was 19. That's right, you said that. So met this dude at a bar, and he must have done something shady because he was in West Virginia. <laughs> right, <laughs> And right. talking about Tahoe, he's like, dude, there's 18 resorts within an hour of mm. the lake, mm. you know, wherever you're at, and like six of them are world class, and he was 100% right, and it was the most amazing thing. And I'm looking at him like, so why are you here? <laughs> yeah, what'd you do? What'd you do? Yeah. You left the most magical place on earth to come uh, uh-huh. ski a bunch of ice in West Virginia. Which, I mean, West, it's great. Love the, love growing up there, but, um, yeah. Came out to Tahoe to snowboard. Love it out, out west. I went back east. Ended up doing some business stuff. Did uh, Ended up doing door-to-door sales. Became a Kirby salesman. And made it all the way up to factory distributor, suit and tie, right. singing songs. I'm an excellent telemarketer. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> a great gift to have. Right, it is. It I, is. I mean, it did teach me a lot. It taught me the gift of gab and just like comfort and like. This world's really easy. If you just, we just are the prop like. What you said? Yeah. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. We complicate everything. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. like you, ha- you just have to open up. Uh-huh. Like, get out of your head. Get out of your own butt. Right. A lot of people are in their own butt. Like, get out. <laughs> <laughs> just be open. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, I really liked it. And then, 2012, I had my little awakening, and I got rid of my business and started hitchhiking and wanted to go back to school and... I figured it took six weeks to hitchhike to California to come back out to school and ended up traveling for eight months. Nice. And it just changed me forever. Right? Right. That that travel, like, I do believe, like what you said, how in Germany they're letting them kids get mm-hmm. out there. I think that is so important to the soul. Like, mm-hmm. I traveled for the first time, not traveled, but to me it was tr- big travel. I left Indiana to come here, you know, I quit my job, gave up my apartment, um, sold everything off. What I couldn't sell, I gave away. Packed my car with what I could, and I hit it. And I took 70 all the way across. And it was the most beautiful experience I ever had, driving across this beautiful country. We have a beautiful country. Yeah. So I already was, you know, don't like people who talk shit about America. After I drove across, oh, really don't talk shit about my country to me. <laughs> don't do it. It's gorgeous. And... um it was the most spiritual thing I ever experienced. And I did it at my own pace. I didn't have to be nowhere. Nice. I drove all day. And I treated myself because I saved up for a while. So um, at night when it got too dark to drive, I didn't sleep in my car. I checked into a hotel so I could like, lay in the bed and shower and get up when I wanted to. And nice. Just, you know, every state 
has this gorgeousness, and after a while, you can even tell when you cross state borders, like, mm-hmm. this feels different. Oh, I am in another state, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't have traded that for anything, and that's what I want to do, like, for the rest of my life. Like, how I was telling, like, I, like this is what I want to do. I want to be able to just travel, you know, just get up and go. That's yeah. the best feeling in the world. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I've, I've, I started, you know, I just got, I started in a backpack and just started hitchhiking, and then I've done it, hitchhiked across the country, and then I've done it, and I got a little car, Nissan Maxima, I bought off my friend for 500 bucks. Nice. And I took the passenger seat out, and I built a bed. Nice. And I drove that car for two years, and then sold it for 500 bucks. So you got your money back. <laughs> yeah. Even afterwards, oh, that was cool. And then I, I can't do that. upgraded, and I got a small minivan, like, a, uh, it was a Windstar, Ford Windstar. And it was super nice, um, but it was just like a bed and a little storage, but it was like a double bed, so, and then I, when I went to Asia, I lost that vehicle, and um, when I came back, I I went through a breakup who had a vehicle, so I started hitchhiking again, and then got back out here and worked, and this thing just kind of fell on my lap. Um, I was planning on going to South America, but... This was at a price that I couldn't say no to, and it's my favorite color, so I was like... <laughs> right, right. And it's beautiful. It's changed my life. It's slowed me down a lot, which has been really good. Right. It's, gas is horrible. I'm like 50 cents a mile in California. Oh, oh. So I look like, it's like, oh, it's 400 miles. That's 200 bucks. Mm. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, I think I'll start with the van. Like how you. But like you were saying, you know, you spent, you got a hotel room each night. Yeah. So. Same thing. That's a hundred bucks. Oh God, yeah. You know, at least. Especially once you hit the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Woo! <laughs> Changes a bit. Mm-hmm. Gas and hotels, like. Right. <laughs> so I try not to go fast. Yeah. As long as I, you know, if I do a four, six hundred mile day, that hurts. Yeah. But if I go 102 miles, 100, 200 oh, miles, yeah, that's not bad. Right. I can see that. Yesterday I made 50 bucks playing music. Nice. You were so kick-ass yesterday. That was mm. awesome. You took me to my old school days. Yeah, I had some fun there for a little bit. It was a few yeah. good times. And it's funny. It's like all that money comes in. There's like a, fir- a certain vibe you get. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all that money came in on that, like, two songs we had. It was just, like, it was just jamming. Yeah. And then, you know, we sat there and played for the rest of the day, but it was just, like... It was different. Yeah, if you could just get that vibe going. And it takes just a few people, a few people dance. Right? Like, you know, right? just the whole energy. And then it's like, ooh, everyone was just like, I'm going to go tip these guys $10. Yeah. So I'm going to tip them money. That's one of the beautiful things about being an artist, you know? Like, that vibe. And you gotta go with it because you don't know when it's gonna come back. <laughs> you know, like if that vibe comes and you decide, oh, I'm gonna go to the bathroom. Like, no, you gotta stay with that vibe. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, artists, it's, it's hard on them too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, us. <laughs> I'm an artist. They say like writing isn't, being a writer is an artist, but forget that. It is. It's art too. Right. It is. So far, I've had two musical ones and two writer ones. Yay! So. Yay, good. Yeah, my first one was a poet, and I was just on the side of the road playing music, and he pulled over and started reading me poetry, and I was like, told him I was trying to start this podcast, and so we went with it. Beautiful. It's one of your callings. Yeah. Definitely. 
I definitely I've come in the I started playing the banjo when I was 28 so I'm like 36 now so right. um, when I was traveling I met this girl in Portland and she had a banjo nice and so we traveled for a little bit and then when she went her way uh, I just had to get one and um, so yeah it's pretty late to come into string instruments but I feel like I feel like now I'm pretty good no, I was just saying it's too late. I just, not just, but like in the past six months, I bought a ukulele. I thought the same thing. Too late to come into a string instrument, but I'm liking it. Yeah, exactly. you know, I'm teaching myself. I'm watching videos and reading a little book that comes with it. And I know one and a half chords. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, but, you know. John Prine made a whole living off three chords, so. There you go. See, I'm halfway there. Yeah, I yeah. know one and a half. Literally. Every yeah. single song he has is a different, slight different variance of GCD. Nice. Okay. Okay. I mean, he did 65 years. Nice. Passed away last year, I think. Mm. That's what it's about. Doing two what years you ago. love. I don't think it was, I think it was pre-code. Last year didn't even count. It was just like a freaking weird thing. Started off so, so good. Yeah. Last year did start off good. You're absolutely right. Then he got smacked in the face. Yeah, I was in Puerto Rico, sailing. I was... That was one of those hard-headed people, too. You couldn't tell me that you couldn't scare me with the COVID, you know. I was like, oh, whatever, it'll blow over, it'll blow over. And I was like, wait a minute, this is not blowing over. Yes. <laughs> See, I went in super locked down at first, five, six weeks, and then just kind of was like, I'm over it. Right. I was right. over the minute they said it. Yeah. I'm a go, go, go person. Like, I go down to the bay to listen to music and concerts, and I haven't been able to do that, and it's been, like, killing my soul. Yeah. You know? We're working on we're, so we're going to make a movie. Uh, last week, uh, four friends passed away. Oh, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Two of them I knew. Um, two of them I didn't know, but just in the friend circle. Yeah. You know? And, um... Over the last year, we've all lost so many people in the last. This, mm. And the, I mean, it was different things. It was it was um, drug. One was drugs. One was suicide. One was seems to be like a, a brain aneurysm. Um, the other one, not sure, but just all across the board, different. Yeah. That just you it's, lost people. It's coming down. There's a stress, you know. Yeah. Um, I had a conversation with the guy talking about his his friend that committed suicide, and you know, he's like, she just isn't one that would ever normally you would think like you know but people in my life and a lot like people live for festivals not only soul but monetarily and soul more than money we we only make money at a festival just because we want to be at the festival every day right so we find a niche that we can make money because we we don't even want to go back to real life we just want to live like that right you know and yes. so, like, that's why we live in Humboldt, because it's yes. kind of close to a yes. never-ending festival. Exactly. <laughs> I feel you there. That's why I'm here. I'm going to die here. Like, I love this feeling. This is what's in me. Yeah. You know? And so, we decided, me and my buddy, we're going to make a movie this year um, called nice. The Festival. Nice. And it's going to be a journey about five people trying to get to, or going to this festival. That sounds great. And, um... There's going to be some tragic incidences in it, and Always. we're, we're going to try to um, we're going to try to collect a hundred names from our group of circles of friends we've lost, right. and raise a hundred dollars for each name. Nice. So the goal is to create ten thousand dollars, and we're still looking for an organization. This all just I wrote the whole skit like 
one of those moments, you know, like the other yeah. night, like seven nights ago, I wrote a whole movie out and I call my buddy. I'm like, I got it. Cause right? we were, yeah. That is cool. You could, if that fits in, you do that, do that. Yeah. For real. And, uh, so we got it all skidded out, everything. We're working on some dialogue, but we're still looking for a company. So if anyone out there knows anything good, you know, I, I think in, you know, I'm looking for like adult, young adult suicide, young adult overdose prevention. Right. You know, like 20s to 25, 18. Right. right. right? Oh, you're not a youth anymore. You're you're 21. Well, you're no longer allowed in the youth center for for rehab and habits. Yeah. You're a man now, so it's like, you know. Just kick him out. Yeah, it seems like the, what I've went through and all of my travel friends now that we're in our 30s we look at how close we all were to dying in our 20s okay. and how many of us didn't make it through our 20s right. and there's just like this you know crucial i have some friends talking about you know like live in camps like rehabilitation type you know whether it's has like a peyote background or anything like that but just like um who knows just different just you know that keeps this travel side to it right you know that has the music the i don't know but that's something that we're gonna be working on that should be pretty sweet that's cool i if you need any help writing or anything like that i i'm down okay well yeah, yeah. i need like need like all the dialogue right for the most part so right? i'll work with you and go over like i love dialogue the the skits <laughs> that I have. I, I like have boxed it out into like each scene. Right. And I have like the message that needs to come from each scene, like okay. kind of what like the progression. So what the dialogue should be based off of. Mm -hmm. Oh, that that sounds cool. So basically just we can maybe can help out some character building and, Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's basically gonna be like uh, maybe me as the traveler and then I'm gonna get um, it's gonna be a story about the musician, the dancer, the artist right. and the wook. Is like the like, wook, like a wookie, like a wookie. <laughs> Basically, it's kind of like a drug dealer, um, okay. you know. But the wook has a lot of different um, energies and emotions behind it. Of course. Um, so, uh, I come from my first festivals, <clears throat> 2009, and back then, a wook was respectable. <laughs> <laughs> and in all of my circles, and still in most right. of my circles, still. Right. But over the years, through this big Wook uh, game, big game Wook Hunter Facebook page, they've really promoted this um, really horrible side of the Wook. So we're gonna bring back, bring the, it back, the, like, the good honest Wook, the yeah. good honest Wook. You know? Yeah, I get that. <laughs> I get that. Uh, There's always bad apples that make make the good ones look bad. Yeah, he'll um, have the van though, you know. So, yeah. be some music, be some, be some van life. Right. You know, they're gonna pick me up hitchhiking, and it's gonna yeah. be the journey to get there. Oh, this sounds cool. So basically, it's just a glimpse of my normal life. Right. In theory, of a story outline, try to raise some money. Dude, I'm all about it. Yeah. It's needed. Yeah, it's needed. The festival's needed. Yeah. Oh, we all know the festival's needed. Um, shout out to all those. Um, so if you guys want to be a part of it, please get in contact with me, uh, look down, send me an email and let's make this thing happen. Uh, we're in the creating stages. Uh, lovely. She's going to help us out with a lot of dialogue. Uh, we've got most of the skits planned. We're looking for some actors and some inspiration and just 
let's all get together and see what we can create. Have some fun with this. Thank you guys. Okay. Yeah, totally cool. Do you have anything else in particular you want to talk um, about? Um, not really. Just say that my first book is out. The sequel will be out in March, and so will my book of poetry. And you can all find information on it on my website, NadiaDorison.com. And um, it'd be cool if people, anyone interested, would hit the contact button and send me your name and email so I can email you updates of when stuff is going to come out. Get on, yeah, get on yeah. your email list. Yes, get on my email list. Because stuff is all over the place. Sporadic. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to put some links and some borders with up for the YouTube stuff so people can see it. Um, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, good idea for the masses, the, the forgotten. forgotten, and there. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Nadia Duerson. Yes, type that in into any search engine. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the show. I hope you guys loved listening to that as much as I enjoyed doing it. Um, please look down below. Uh, follow NadiaDurson.com. Get on her email, NadiaDurson at gmail.com. Uh, follow her. Stay in tune so when her book comes out, um, check out Word Humboldt. Uh, give a shout out to our sponsors. This week's episode is brought to you by the Cash App. Uh, it's an easy way to exchange money. It's an easy way to get into cryptocurrency. Uh, my friends that are building up a couple hundred dollars of Bitcoin just from using it to get pizzas and everything. Uh, it's a good way to just get in the system and get your foot in the door at least. Uh, if you're not into it, sign up. Uh, use the hashtag the money sign blueberry. The second sponsor today is Buzzsprout. Uh, that's the company that I'm using to publish this podcast if making a podcast is something that you're interested in uh contact me let's talk about it uh, it's super easy i can tell you all about my equipment and what to do and if you use my sign up code uh we both save some money so thank you and have a nice week once again this is nomad damon right here coming to you uh bringing you a traveling sound from the blueberry lounge uh, it's truly a blessing thank you for your ears thank you for your time and we have a great show coming up uh, next week, I'm bringing you Charlie Crazy Eyes. You're going to love it. I'm Nadia. This is Blueberry Lounge for Wondering Artists. Best place in the world. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> <laughs>